Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Hey, everybody. I am with Legal Man from the Quash podcast. And um, he's online at Twitter at US Law Review. Um, he has 30 plus years experience with uh, legal work. And he has deemed himself America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because he actually tells people the truth, unlike damn near everybody else in the world. Um, he is also a self-certified master practitioner for 20 plus years. And just recently, uh, Legal Man, you awarded yourself with the Lifetime Achievement Award recipient for your blog and your podcast. So That's true. Um, I- <laughs> I am okay. So, just to give the audience a little bit of background, really fast, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I didn't even know about you until two weeks ago, which oh is sad God. and disappointing. I know oh, I, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> and so, a shot to the ego to my guest as he first comes onto my show. But um, I, I am really excited that my friend introduced me to you. And I have a rule. I don't listen to other people's podcasts because I don't ever want anybody to be able to say that I'm stealing someone else's like ideas or work or whatever. So I've broken that rule though. And I'm madly in love with the Quash podcast. Uh, I, I have binge listened to your show for about a week and a half. My daughter sits in the car with me. She's like, mama, do we have to listen to the man again? <laughs> so... Um, but I very much love you and I sincerely appreciate your work. I think that you're fantastic. So I'm, I'm very excited, kind of fangirling for this conversation. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and get into it real fast. Okay. Uh, One thing that I really appreciate that you talk about, um, pretty regularly is two things. One, you talk about, and I'm kind of going off of what I had sent to you, but Um, You talk about this idea of digitizing us, and I've been talking about that a lot lately. We talk about China's social credit score while not paying attention to the fact that it's starting to happen here in the United States. Um, Oh, yeah. And then you – go ahead. Oh, no, just – oh, yeah. It's it's definitely way down the road. Yes. And then you also talk about um, police and the way that – Uh, many conservatives and even people in general view the police as these help and protectors. And I'll be a hundred percent honest with you and my audience. If you would have asked me two years ago, what my feelings were, I would have been a back the blue support your police. I would have been somebody who stood behind those individuals. I am no longer that person. I am probably so far opposite of that, that it's, it's, it's probably not good. Um, I They are nothing but the enforcement arm of the state at this point. And they're not there to help you. They're not there to protect you. They're there to enforce the rules and edicts that are placed upon you by your quote unquote superiors. And so I want to talk with you, if you don't mind, um, first, just kind of broad scale about some of the overreaching federal government things that are taking place right now. 
um, a lot of people throw the Constitution out and they'll say, oh, well, the Constitution is here to protect your natural rights. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, then why isn't it? All <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so let's talk real fast about, let, let's just talk about that, the deterioration of natural rights for citizens in this country at this point. Um, I'd like to touch on, for, let's just talk Fourth Amendment first. And the idea that we have the right to secure our privacy, essentially. That, I, I would say after 9-11, we completely gave that up with the Patriot Act. Would you agree with that? Well, I'd say that it became openly obvious to more people. It's never existed. So it's it's not something that we, quote, gave up with the Patriot Act, just like the Smith-Mund Act didn't allow them to create propaganda and all. It's just that it became so much more obvious to people. That's it. It's okay. It's, it's like I tell people wrong. all the time. Yeah, it's like I tell people all the time. They, they have everything. OK, they, they have my phone calls, my texts. They have everything just like they have all of yours. And right. it's not a matter of them, oh, now they're going to collect it. They're already collecting it. The only issue is, is it really usable for them in court? That's it. And the issue is, can they get it into evidence without you know a significant amount of additional trouble? And with things like the Patriot Act and stuff, it allows them to get stuff into evidence more easily because they're allowed to so-called snoop on you and these other things. But th there's no privacy. There's never been any right to so-called protect yourself against privacy under this government. Th that's just not true. And there's a million ways to prove it to people. But the simple fact is you can just see that they can just make anything they want up and claim it's a government record. And then you have absolutely nothing you can say about it. There's nothing you can say about it. It comes into evidence if they want to fake it up. That's it. <laughs> they can just bring yeah. in FBI agent 23 years, blah, blah, blah. He can just make shit up. And yeah. if he does, then that's it. They can just create an internal document. They can do anything they want. You have no way to check it. And so that's all I try to tell people that these things, all they do is they enable and facilitate, make it simpler, more of a regulatory matter, a matter of course that you'll just be put into prison because of some, you know, some simple thing on the Internet, as opposed to that you actually had rights that somehow now you've lost. That's just different. Right. So I, I think that you and I could agree that those rights are inherent. Those are natural rights. You have that right. The Constitution, Absolutely. I think a lot of people often look at the constitution as the the document that gives you your rights versus... yes it's very totally upside down right. correct that's the average is the average deal is that you have to look in both the constitution and then see what the supreme court has said about the constitution to see if this area of your rights is protected it's totally and completely upside down <laughs> um i i want you had touched on a point where you know that you mentioned the fbi um, the lack of, I, I guess, support or even trust in the the justice system in general, in my opinion, well, for me personally, I can only speak for myself, is completely gone. And Good. I, I have zero faith in any way, shape, or form that I, as an average citizen, have any sort of protection in the legal system anymore. 
Good. I would never, if the FBI showed up at my door and said, we believe that you're a domestic extremist because you said you don't like this law that was passed. You're, you're a domestic <laughs> extremist online. Right. <laughs> of course. It's idiotic. But it's, and it's even more fundamentally insane. The FBI itself is absurdly unconstitutional. Yes, just laughably the, the so. Just the very existence of it. A, yeah, it shouldn't exist. No, they have no authority. The federal government has no authority to create an internal police force that keeps secret records on everybody, can run around armed, arresting you in the middle of the night with secret government records that they've been keeping secretly to hold you and then try you in a government court. It's utterly idiotic. The people can't see something that blatant. The FBI is not constitutional. There was no such thing as police when the Constitution was ratified. No such thing. They didn't exist. There were the king's troops and there was your locally elected sheriff. That's it. And the idea that the federal government somehow has this authority to create this giant armed police force, which is basically just a made up military internal force. And just to have them running around everywhere and living amongst us and keeping secret records and listening. It's just, it's so far from freedom. It's its really almost like a mental illness at this point that people continue to talk about this stuff as though we're free. We're not. Yeah, I, that's probably one of the biggest points that I make on a regular basis. People are like, well, this is the freest country in the world. And I'm like, well, we're, we're not free. This, <laughs> we're, this is not a free country. Yeah. Um, and I know we talk about COVID a lot because that's, what's been taking place for the last two years. But one of the things that has come out recently is, uh, in September of 2000, I'm sorry, June of 2019, the, uh, Biden administration released a, um, how their, their strategy for tackling domestic extremism and, um, it was mandated that all of these different institutions go ahead and deliver their reports on how they're going to combat this plague that's in the, the country. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> the DHS came out with their report. I think it's, uh, it was like February 7th is when they released or issued their, what they determined to be an issue. The number one key factor that they listed is the proliferation of false or misleading narratives, which sow discord or undermine public trust in government institutions. Yeah, and I saw that. <laughs> what happens when the government's lying? What happens when the government passes false information on to reporters to put out as literal propaganda to the citizens? Who checks and balances that? Who goes in we and says, who watches the watchers? We need a special blue ribbon bipartisan commission to look into that. That's a great idea. <laughs> this is so stupid. It's so ridiculous. It's what I'm saying. It makes no sense. You can't have the entity in charge of checking itself. That's not limited. That doesn't make sense. And this is the part I just don't understand is that they can put something out that blatant and act as though the government, when you have a First Amendment that has any authority whatsoever to be investigating proliferation of information or opinions, that's just on its face, not true. They don't have that authority. And the First Amendment, you see, 
It's a classic example of the way the people misunderstand both the Supreme Court's authority, what it's there to do, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all this stupid crap. They don't understand anything about it. The First Amendment does not give you any rights at all. All it says is that the government can't do something. Well, the way the Constitution is actually constructed, it's a document of expressed limited powers, supposedly, given to the government. That means that you have to first go look in the document itself and see where the government has been given the authority to do something. You don't go read Supreme Court opinions about what the First Amendment says, because all the First Amendment says is that they can't do something. Well, if there's nothing in the document that says they can do something, then they can't do it anyway. And that's what the anti-federalists argued. And that's why they were against this Bill of Rights. And they were right that it will simply confuse the issue over time. People will confuse the idea of these amendments with the idea that unless the government is restricted in some form or fashion, that they do have the ability. And that's the opposite of what it is. The government has to very first come forward and show where it actually is in the document that this right to to oversee the proliferation, proliferation of ideas and opinions they don't like, they somehow have an ability to even track they don't even have the ability to spend money to track that. <laughs> People just forget the fact that they don't have the ability to spend money for these kinds of things. And so right. that's the problem I have with these things is that there's so many levels removed. They get everybody arguing about how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. And it's like, dude, <laughs> there's no angels. There's no pen. There's nothing to argue about. And so when you get a statute like that, to me, it's just, it jumps off the page of how terrible these constitutional conservatives are at massively brainwashing, confusing people because they get them going down that road of this is overreach and this has to be tailored and we need a closer watch. No, none of the stuff is permissible. You're not allowed to spend money even trying to track opinions. Where would they get that authority? Where's the authority for the government to even keep track of what public opinion is? Where is it? It's it's just another thing that's just assumed away. And so that's how crazily far we are down the road of just distortion, you know, and it makes it almost impossible to have a conversation with people about the real problems. And that's the uh, intent is that you put them in this Overton window box of a false narrative that's so incredibly false that whatever kinds of questions you ask, it doesn't matter what the answers are because the questions are utter crap. And that's where we are. I think it's funny because I, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm that fucking loser that still like clings to the idea that we can go back to, you know, (laughs) possibly like, you know, states rights and, what it's supposed to be and how the Republic was supposed to work and what the founding <laughs> fathers actually had in mind, especially the anti-federalists. I still am like, I'm, I'm that loser in the room. Right. Yeah. Well, you're not and, a loser, obviously. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, all of my friends are anarchists. They're all, you know, ANCAPs or whatever, uh-huh. um, you know, Spooner this and Rothbard that. And, you know, and, and so I've tried really hard, especially over mm-hmm. the course of the last two years, to really educate myself more in in that realm of mm-hmm. um, thinking and, and that mindset. And it's really interesting as things have transitioned, my only 
issue that I have and, and what I will pose to you towards the end of this conversation is, you know, the decentralization. So currency, you know, start looking at, at doing some sort of like crypto diversification. Um, I've, I've talked to a friend about expatriation, like starting to get citizenship in other locations, you know, that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. how do you decentralize federal power without being in power yourself? Like, how do you remove the ability for them to do this? Yeah. It's, I it's, mean, it's, it, it shouldn't exist in the first place. I understand. But how do we decentralize that? Yeah, right. This is this is the what can we do legal man deal, and which I get a lot. And I, I, it's a great question. It's not like it's not a legitimate question. It is. The problem is people don't like the answer. And that is that until enough people understand the actual problem, there's nothing that's actually going to work. And then once we get enough people who actually understand the problem, then it's very going to be very simple to do. But there's that huge gap, which is that people tend to immediately kind of go back to these ideas that, well, we, we got to have a, a government, got to okay, protect ourselves from Russia, China, all this crap goes on. It's like, okay, whatever. But as far as the decentralizing portion, it'd be great if we could get people to understand that decentralization is the only answer. It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter if it's government. It has to be decentralized because the more centralized it gets, we're screwed. And until people understand that's actually the problem, that that's actually the problem, most people will give lip service to it. And then their solutions and the things they're happy about just show that they don't really think decentralization is necessary, that we could somehow control these large centralized governments, which we could also even do that. And that's kind of jury nullification is why I'm going to do that whole series on trial by jury by Spooner and why I've done multiple shows on jury nullification. Because if we could just get people to understand what jury nullification is, what jury trials are actually about, okay, then we could protect ourselves from the massive government as it is and buy ourselves some time in order to educate people in order to then get some decentralization going, meaning some secession movements and things like that, and wake people up to this absurd idea of how fantastically intertwined the the Globetrotters and the Washington generals are, well, the Democrats and the Republicans, that they're just a fake show to keep the thing going. So the, the, my first step would be that we have to be able to fight a holding action uh, against what's going on now. And that is the primary thing you do. You can use to fight a holding action is jury nullification, understanding what jury trials are actually about. Because the problem right now for people to get anything going is, of course, they swoop in with the government thugs and they arrest you and put you in front of a kangaroo court and everybody's worried they'll have to go to prison, which, in fact, that's exactly what they will do to you now unless people understood what jury trials was about. See, if they understood what they were actually about, you would have no fear of the government doing any of these things to you, shutting you down, charging you with offenses that are just made up crimes, uh, they, they wouldn't be able to do any of it. Sure, they could come and arrest you with the goons, and if they wanted, they could just kill you. But they can always do that. You can't stop that. I'm talking about the vast majority of stuff where they're going to pick you up uh, on these trumped up charges, uh, faked up evidence, put you in front of a kangaroo court with some made up law and convict you. 
That's what people are concerned about. That's how they shut people down. But if you, if you had a population who understood that tr- juries are there to listen to the case and they're there to actually judge the law, the facts, the, the legitimacy of the law, everything about it, the prosecutor, everything about it, that's what they're there to do. And that the government has absolutely no right whatsoever to keep juror, potential jurors off a jury that don't like the government and don't trust the government. That's the entire reason you have a jury trial, to protect you right. from the government. It's insane that people have been so brainwashed. They think the government is allowed to boot off, uh, uh, not allow someone to sit on the jury who raises their hand and says, well, I don't know. My cousin was arrested by the cops. I'm not sure I trust him. Oh, oh you're struck. Struck for cause. You right. can't be fair. It A trial is not about being fair to the government. It's about being fair to the citizen when the sure. government comes after them. They act as though the trial is a mirror image that the defendant and the prosecutor, they have equal abilities and rights. And that's not the case. The government doesn't have rights. <laughs> it's it's a government. Only people right. have rights. And so that is the absolute most essential thing only because we're so, so, so far behind. And we're so we're up against such a gigantic monolith of money and power and organizations and infiltration and control of every kind of thing. But even up against that, if people understood what a jury trial was actually about, that stuff wouldn't work. See, that stuff wouldn't work because they wouldn't have the ability to to scare people and to throw them in prisons and and silence them. They'd have to literally be out there killing everybody. And that's just not going to work because then the bloom is off the rose and the curtains pulled back. So the very first step is we have to get people to understand what juries are about so we can buy some more time to then start actually getting some more information to people about what government really is and why decentralization is necessary and then start moving down that road with secession movements and other things. And, you know, I've, I put out a show called what can we do? And I put a bunch of stuff in there that is all can, can all be done. It doesn't require any constitutional amendments, any one of which would be massively helpful to us. And they're just basic kinds of things. And again, it's, it's the kind of thing that education is the key. You have to overcome the massive brainwashing. Without that, nothing will happen. See, without that, right. it doesn't matter what you implement. They'll just creep back in uh, and or be infiltrated and be misused. That's that's all that will actually happen. And, you know, people don't like hearing that because they really want something that they can go do and march or, or, or send money to and it will fix this or that. It doesn't work like that. You can't just go vote some simple thing, get your guy in there. It doesn't work like that. The problem is far too complex. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially conservatives, continue to preach, you know, you can vote your way out of this and and you're just voting in the same people that participate. That's like saying that Congress is ever going to pass term limits. All right. and, well, they couldn't right? anyway. Like, it requires a constitutional <laughs> amendment. See, that would require a constitutional amendment. That's why they've been pushing that stupid crap for my entire life. (laughs) Term limits, like they do anything. But you can't just pass a law and have term limits. Uh, It's not constitutional. They have to go, and the the term is set in the Constitution for the representatives, and there's nothing in there about them not being able to uh, run as many times as they want. You'd have to amend the Constitution. And the process to do that is... Preposterous. It's, yeah. 
It's absurd. It's ludicrous. <laughs> the, proce the process of amending the Constitution itself proves that all these kinds of things, that your vote matters, is not true because if the, the Congress is free to abuse anything less than 25% of the states as much as they want because they can never get a constitutional amendment to prevent it. And they can never have popular control in the House and the Congress in any form or fashion. So the Congress is free to abuse the living crap out of 24.9% of the states and the people all day long. And there's literally no protection at all. Oh, my Supreme Court. Well, what if they don't agree? Now what? Right. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Well, it's silly. As somebody who's been practicing law for 30 years, it, when you, you just brought up the Supreme Court and it, you know, Kintanji or Katanji, I'm not sure how you say her name, but just got nominated to the Supreme Court on Friday. Yeah. And um, it's replacing Justice Breyer. Oh, she's a liberal judge. And that for me is a, an incredibly hard pill to swallow because, you know, I, you, I'm raised on the concept of justice being blind. I'm raised on the concept that the judiciary is not supposed to be political. We shouldn't right. be targeting justices or judges and like even in like appellate courts and, and you know, that type of, it's like, oh, well, that that federal judge was appointed by Trump. And it's like, who fucking cares? It should be the mm -hmm. law. Like whatever's written on a piece of paper as the law, that is what the, that judge should be looking at the action and say, OK, it, it does or does not violate the law. It's much more, for me, it's black and white. Like, I don't know where this gray political area came from. Where did that deterioration in the judiciary come from? Well, it's two things, really. Um, one is that saying that the law is or is a not something is ultimately is just it's just not true. All these things are Barnum statements. The law is just a set of words that can be interpreted a million ways. And anybody who reads any of these opinions will see that they don't just come out and, and act like it's a political move. They come out and they justify their so-called opinions uh, with all these previous kinds of opinions and statements. They pull little questions out. And the problem is not that the judiciary is a joke. It is a joke. Uh, they're, they're, it's just an absurd joke. I've, I've seen countless judges, and they're, they're virtually all uh, biased in a million different ways, like everyone else. The problem with this entire concept that the, the nation is wondering who's going to get appointed is that the people don't understand what the Supreme Court's there to do. See, nobody would care about the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court was doing what it was actually in, empowered to do, which is to hear a single case and rule on it. That's it. Right. So you're not bound by a Supreme Court opinion. They act like the Supreme Court is now the so-called law of the land. There's nothing in the Constitution that says the Supreme Court's a law of the land, and nobody would ever agree to such an absurd, rigged-up star chamber system and then claim that they were free. See, the Supreme Court is there to hear a case and to have it end. That's it. If you have a dispute between litigants, at some point, it has to come to an end. See, it has to come to an end at some point. There has to be some kind of final outcome. And it doesn't mean that that outcome is correct. It just means that that's the outcome in that case. But who would care if those cases only applied as they should, as they do, as they legally are entitled to, only to the parties in the case? Have you ever been a, a party to a Supreme Court case? 
I have not personally. No. Of course not. <laughs> Nobody has. Right. right. <laughs> Who would care? She says, I'm going to care. But only reason you care about the Supreme Court, only reason the Supreme Court's even an issue, only reason anyone even knows any of their names. Can you name any appellate court judges' names? Do you know no. any appellate court? Right, exactly. No. You know any district court judges' names? No. no. You know the Supreme Court because we're told that this thing is the law of the land. And when they rule, that's it. We're all bound by it. All the courts have to follow it. Well, why do all the courts have to follow what the Supreme Court says? Why? Is that in the Constitution? No, 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 it's not. It's just a statute they wrote. If they, if it was actually a constitutional requirement, then there wouldn't be a statute saying that appellate courts and district courts must follow. And then they must follow the appellate court. If you're a district, they wouldn't have all that. But the fundamental structure that people are told and then used to analyze the so-called system that's going on and the so-called problems we have is this false narrative. And if people understand their actual system, I wouldn't care who they put on the damn Supreme Court. I'm never going to be in front of them. It's never going to make any damn difference to me. And if people understood that simple fundamental fact, think how many problems would go away. All this arguing about abortion and gun rights and all this other crap, it would all be out the window because it's not true. It's not binding. And it's very easy to prove that it's not binding. And the Supreme Court itself, it, it constantly states the things that are required for it to hear a case. Constantly. It's, a, it's so easy to find. And it's required. They require subject matter and personal jurisdiction. And all you have to do is look into them. And they're made up of all sorts of things. But if they don't have both of those things, then they can't even hear the case. Well, how they ever get personal jurisdiction over people who aren't part of the case, aren't named in the case, aren't even claimed to be part of the case? They don't. Right. It doesn't apply. It, it's it's it, really that simple. They, it doesn't apply. <laughs> it's it. It reminds me of that case they're getting ready to hear from Colorado, where the woman is an IT um, person, like she does website development, uh-huh. and she had asked. So it like preemptively asked permission to put a disclaimer on her website that she does not work with um, homosexual couples and due to religious basis. Right. And the state brought a case against her for discrimination. She didn't even do it. There's no um, gay LBGTQ couple uh, that's bringing it. It's the state wow. that's bringing it against her for the Supreme Court to hear. Wow. Wow. I mean, just so many things <laughs> see going on there that are so insane. Um, yes. So many. It's This is how far. See, this is how far down the road we are with regards to the brainwashing that all leads directly back to constitutional conservatives and media who have facilitated this complete and total distortion of the system such that the arguments going on are hopeless. And a case like that is a great example. There's so many layers of things wrong with that. I don't know if it's an individual state or not an individual state. I don't know if it's in federal court or not in federal court. But the idea that the people uh, in the 1860s, when they shoved the 14th Amendment down everybody's throat, totally and completely unratified in any proper manner, that's what all of these kinds of cases go back to. See, 
all of these cases go back to the 14th Amendment so-called due process clause. Every single one of these kinds of things is attached together ultimately by that 14th Amendment due process clause. That's why I did that show and showed people the 14th Amendment was never ratified. It's not even close. It's an absurdity. And even if it had been, there's absolutely nothing in that amendment which has anything to do with saying that the states now are obligated to do all these other different things like this, this LGBTQ rights. Um, there, there's how many people even had ever even heard of LGBTQ before five years ago, 10 years ago, the idea that that's yeah. somehow in the constitution and is protected and the 14th, it's all so many layers of insanity. They can't just make laws unless the Supreme Court says they can't. See, that's the right. fundamental flip that's that's gone on, that the idea that the government is allowed to do anything so long as the Supreme, Supreme Court says that they can or doesn't say that they can't. That's just not the way the system is set up. And when you have some some lady who's trying to exercise her, her own religious beliefs, the idea that the state could ever come in and force her to see, to see people or do, it's the fact that we're having that discussion publicly in, in that kind of framework is a great example to me of how far away we are from ever solving this problem when that's the discussion. When that's the discussion, how the hell can we win? Yeah. <laughs> how can you win when all you're talking about now is think of all the things that presumes. It presumes that if the Supreme Court agrees with the state, that now the state can do that. Well, who the hell ever agreed to that? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And it assumes that the state can bring cases like this against people, that that's even a possibility, that they can <laughs> find this plaintiff, kind of thing. Without somebody who has a grievance. The right, it's just the state. The, with the, the state. The state's written, it just decided the state doesn't like what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody in their right mind would allow a government to have the authority to come after the people because the people are doing something the government doesn't like. It doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. not freedom. And yet that's the framework, the narrative that people are put in every single time in these issues. And that's what I try to explain to people is, look, once you're inside that box, you're going to lose. See, you're going to lose whether or not the Supreme Court uh, writes some complex opinion with multiple dissents and multiple partially, uh, you know, concurring kinds of things. And they cobble some bullshit together and it says, oh, you're not allowed to do it in the special circumstances, blah, blah, blah. All it means is that you've conceded that this will be decided by these nine jokers. And right. that's not freedom. And that's not the system. As soon as you agree to be in that, you've lost. Because eventually, eventually, they will take it. They will eventually take it. That's what will happen. They'll keep getting accepted and specially accepted in this and fact situation. Difficult cases make bad law and blah, blah, blah. They'll just keep nibbling away at it a thousand times. And the next thing you know, in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, if anyone's still alive, it'll not only be perfectly okay, it'll be required that the government bring these cases. It'll be a violation of the other person's rights if they don't bring them. You'll have people getting monetary awards against the government for failing to sue other people. <laughs> it's just, that's where it will go. That's where it will actually end up.
Oh man. So <laughs> I mean, it, it, I oh, so I keep going back. Like I said, I'm the loser that looks at like founding document. I read the Federalist Papers for fun. Like it, it yeah. the anti-Federalist Papers. Me too. Um. So there is a line in our Declaration of Independence that says, um, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute a new, we can just stop and abolish it. So my question to you is, and this is more of a personal question, not a legal question. So I want to be very clear about that to my audience and any of yours that happen to listen to this episode. If you had your druthers and and the entire federal, the, the government was wiped out. How would that look for you in a formation of any sort of new process? Like what would, how would, would that function for you personally? Well, well, for me personally, I don't need a federal government, but I'm a realist and I understand that the vast majority of people, they need these kind of little security blankets. They've never grown up and they, they believe all these narratives, but the Articles of Confederation, they worked fine. The reason they had to be gotten rid of is because they worked fine. See, under the Articles of Confederation, none of this stuff could be happening. None of it could be happening. And really, none of it could be happening if they hadn't even just passed, I think, at the 17th Amendment when they got rid of the uh, senators that being elected by the state reps when they just gave it to the popular vote, just threw it over to the mob. They, they, they got rid of it then, too. If, if, if people understood what the Supreme Court was, none of this would be happening. If, if you had... All sorts of things would be happening. None of it could ever be happening, but it is happening. And so if we were to get rid of it, first of all, the Declaration of Independence, that language in there has been outlawed. It's outlawed. It's Oh, I know. Yeah, It's, it's completely up. absurd, you, right? You don't talk about <laughs> overthrowing the government. It's oh, no, you're not bad. allowed to. It's completely illegal. And and yet, again, the, this is the typical kind of uh, contradictory nonsense. They put it in the United States Code right in the front. They call it one of the organic laws of the United States. But if it's an organic law of the United States, then, then how can they then have a statute that then makes it illegal to do what the right. declaration of it? It doesn't make any sense. It's just another one of these lies that constitutional conservatives look past. Uh, they always say, oh, we got to do it within the system. Well, when the system's corrupt, it doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. But what I would say about getting rid of it, I don't, there's nothing the federal government does that I care one bit about. I don't care one bit. They could get rid of all of it. I'd be perfectly fine with it. I'd be much happier. But if people wanted some kind of federal-ish government, why not the Articles of Confederation? That's what the people chose after they fought the war. See, that's what they actually chose. The Constitution was jammed down everybody's throat in the biggest scammed up deal imaginable. And, uh, you know, it's not taught. It's taught in the same kind of deceptive way that everything else is taught. And if people understood what actually went on at that constitutional convention, which was completely illegal and tons of the representatives simply walked out because they knew it was. They had no legal authority to write a new constitution. And if you look at the way the vote went down, there's literally no data anywhere to know what went on in the vote. And they had to call the military out in Delaware. The people were so pissed about what was going on. And did the people actually get to vote on the constitution? No, they voted on people to go vote on the constitution. (laughs) Well, how stupid is that? How can people not see how fake this is? And so if we just went back to the Articles of Confederation, I'd be perfectly content. They'd have to get rid of the vast majority of laws. And I'd be I'd be fine. But I've already made that proposal, which is that 
in one of my shows, uh, one of the proposals I make is that all laws have to sunset and they need to sunset depending on how long the legislature is empowered to sit. Like if a legislature is empowered to sit for two years, well, the law runs for two years. And after the next election, they got to repass the laws. There's nothing unreasonable about that's what real representation looks like. The population right. changes, the people decide different things. If you want to have a law and claim you have a law and the people are represented and blah, 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 like we're told, then that, <laughs> that law should have to be voted on by the legislature every session. You can't have a law that some rep legislature from 15 years ago voted on. <laughs> that's that's I might not even have been able to vote 15 years ago. Every right. single time they have to be able to pass the law. That's it. And if you just had that and you got rid of uh, uh, the so-called holy constitution and, and, and put us back to the Articles of Confederation, then they wouldn't be able to get any of these laws passed. <laughs> it wouldn't work because exactly. Great. So that's what I'm saying. You, it would immediately take care of all these problems. And when you see how simple something like that is, then you understand why the Articles of Confederation were so good and so powerful and why they had to, had to go. They knew. <laughs> they knew, they knew, man, they knew that this was the time to get this together with this phony baloney. Washington was a hero. and We got to get it where we could lose the nation and all this crap. They knew there was a very limited window in order to shove everybody into this massively centralized system. And if you didn't do it, then you're never going to be able to convince them later. So. Right. Man. To have a time machine and go back. Right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I mean, so many points like that in history and, and that's why I'm saying it's a really big hill we're on to climb, but you know, there are things that something different seems to the people who are, let's just say that the people who are open to possibly hearing the truth. Okay. It's not a big number. Uh, that That's true. It's not a big number. Most people's too much cognitive dis and resistance way too much, but there are people. And the questions are, is how, what, what is it that reaches somebody? Because different things reach people. They, different things click with people like, wow. Yeah. And then they start looking into it. And then stuff that I hear that other, that kind of made other people interested. I think, well, that, that wasn't really, wasn't one of my big deals, but you know, you have to find the people and then you have to give them a piece of information which actually intrigues them and makes them actually want to look into it. And that's that's the right. you know sixty four million dollar question. How do you do it? Yeah, I, it's funny. I always I always talk about like my my daughter's in gymnastics, and I always talk about like the gymnastics moms that I spend far too many hours with at the gym on a weekly basis, and. <laughs> lives are so comfortable. Like they're, they're, they're worried about like, Oh, you know, I got to go here and do this. And my hair appointment was canceled. And, you know, it's just very, um, comfortable living. If I were to look at them and say, Hey, what do you think about returning to, you know, an articles of confederation where we, we don't have a, a centralized government anymore. What do you think about that? And the look on their faces would be like, <laughs> Right. It's just they have no desire to care or look into it. And I wonder right. 
as things get less comfortable, like we're seeing inflation, gas price increases, we're seeing things that are going to start touching people that have not had to pay attention for a long time. And I wonder if if that pain is going to get high enough that people start asking the right kind of questions. Do you think that that's on the horizon? Um, you know, this is why people give me so much grief, I think, because I wish I thought that. Okay, I wish okay. and I hope it happens. And it's not like I'm not trying. I mean, I do make the podcast. I do attempt to try to wake people up. <laughs> Which is up, fantastic. You know? I love <laughs> I mean, your podcast. <laughs> I mean, I go to tr- I go to trouble. So people who say, "Oh, you just don't even care. You don't try." You don't. It's not that. I just I'm a realist. I look at the situation and I say, "Let's just assume." I, what I believe about this, what's going on right now, is that it's a fantastic opportunity, okay, for people to be reached. You know, they're they're definitely being primed. That, that insane COVID nonsense, that woke some people up. It also allowed people to be more open-minded about other possibilities. So they're open to the kind of message that I provide to people. But how do you get it to them? I think if you, if everybody had to listen to my show, if they had to, <coughs> if that was required, okay, we sway tens of millions of people if everyone right. had to listen to it. They, because my show is irrefutable. The stuff I say, it's not opinion. It's just basic, obvious fact. They've just never heard it before. They never heard anybody put the pieces together. They've known something's kind of wrong. But when I actually show it to them, it's as clear as day that I'm right. It's that's all it is. It's not a it's not a question of, of an opinion. It's just simple fact. And so I agree that it provides a fantastic opportunity. But I look at what we're what we're up against, and you just see this endless hours and hours and hours and hours of day on every kind of media source of this fake controlled opposition constitutional republic garbage being spewed out that people think is what freedom looks like. And when you're up against that and literally decades of that kind of crap in most people's brains, it's really, really hard. I look at Venezuela. I give them that example all the time. The people are eating their pets. What do they want? A new government. (laughs) They can't see. They're eating their pets. And what do they think the answer is? Vote for their their guy. The the (laughs) next guy. That's who's going to do it. It's, it's, you know, when that's the mindset of the vast, vast majority of people, well, it doesn't give me a lot of hope and encouragement. I look at two years worth of this COVID ridiculousness running on. Uh, which from day one was just an obvious sham. Tony Fauci was wheeled out. The guy's a 30-year fraud. Anyone who knows anything about that guy knows he's a fraud. Okay, well, they wheel him out, and Trump tells everybody he's the greatest guy. So all the Trump believers think he's something, and the other people on the other side, that that maybe they like him, maybe they don't, but he's pushing crap they like, so they don't care. Two years of it runs, all the fake informational lies and all miscellaneous bullshit they've been telling us for two years. A, a decent number of people wake up and then what happens? And then they spew this stupid Ukraine shit. And the same people who f- took two years to figure out they were being lied to while the, all, all the experts immediately start believing the same kind of official narrative nonsense about the Ukraine. It was oh, only eight gosh. months ago where Afghanistan collapsed and everybody saw the whole thing had been a complete joke. 
I mean, just the worst kind of shit show they ran for 20 years there. The same losers who were in charge of all that and gave us all the expert opinion, they're all now on television telling us all about Ukraine. <laughs> they, people can't see that it's always <laughs> lies. There's not, I've asked people many times, name one single time in history where in the lead up to the United States involvement in some kind of war or so-called hot spot thing that they told the truth about. And, and just in retrospect, when you, you look back, tell you can't, there isn't a single one. Libya, <laughs> Afghanistan, Iraq. The entire Spain. history of the country. Everything. Keep, like, all of them. Our <laughs> all, foreign policy is awful. Always a lie. 240 years of lying about it on the way up to the, every single war. Every single time in history, you look back and you see what they told the people leading up to it was all lies. And yet here it is uh, in real time. You show the people, <laughs> and this time it's different. This is yeah. the insanity. This is the the difficulty. This is <laughs> uh, it's so crazy. I don't understand when there's literally no example of the of the United States ever telling the truth about this kind of thing in history. That this one happens to be the big exception. Do you <laughs> I just say? I don't get it. Do you think that part of that stems from the deterioration of people's ability to take responsibility for themselves? Like it, it seems that over time, people really enjoy someone else telling them what to do. They feel comfortable with, you know, oh, we're the authorities in this. And mm -hmm. we say that this is the right choice for you. And for it, sure. People really enjoy being guided and told. The innovators, the self-starters, the self-sufficient and self-responsible individuals are dying daily. It, it's like one mind, the light just goes off and whoop, oh, now they don't think for themselves anymore. For sure. And I, I just, I don't know how we get that back other than, I guess, you know, taking your kids out of the public school system. Right. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, th I think it's a good example of that famous saying about the hard times, you know, create hard men create and, hard, and yeah. then hard men create good times and good times create soft men, soft men create bad times. And then, then you're right back into it. And that's I think that that you were running through that. But there's a there's a couple of things, I believe, that have happened that are are big game changers. And that's why I don't think things like the, you know, the way that our country so-called revolted against uh, England with the colonies and all this crap. That's just not possible anymore. It's a very, very different world. But the two major things in my opinion are the electronics, electronic media that has absolutely blanketed the goal, the entire globe and allows for instantaneous brainwashing on a massive scale is not something they ever had to deal with before. So it's all part of that same centralization. Uh, but the the other thing that's basically enabled all of this is the central bank fakery with the money. See, they've been able to, over the last 100 plus years, buy up everything with their fake money and their fake central bank crap. And that has allowed for a corruption and an infiltration of every nook and cranny of every kind of thing imaginable on the planet. It's all been bought off. And that's a really fundamental problem because they can continue to support all these, these basically useless losers who do nothing, whose jobs do nothing, who they don't do anything. They could never survive. 
Nothing they do is needed. It's all a fake creation of this consuming society that's only exists as a result of this fantastic mountain of debt that's been created, uh, which could never exist with real people having to solve real problems, actually doing real jobs and interacting with real people on and on and on. It's just this anonymous blob of debt that exists now. And they know ultimately that this thing can't be sustained forever. It doesn't need to be sustained forever. It's a tool. It's strictly a tool to buy everything up and to create an electronic prison, in which case they then have the people right where they want them. And of course, now they're adding in all of the uh, the pharma and all the different electronic uh, brainwashing and everything else. And so they're just very slowly deteriorating the population through a variety of things. And we're at the point where it, ha- it has to stop. But how do you stop it? See, how do you stop this thing with this amazing amount of inertia? It's like it's like 50 different super tankers tied together moving in a direction. How do you stop, turn, slow this thing down? It's so huge at this point. And you don't. It's really difficult. I, I that's what I'm saying. I think, see, that's why it's the only reason I even make the show is to try to get people to understand that one, there's a huge amount of value in understanding what's going on, even if you can't stop it. There's a huge amount of value in that. And and there's also the only chance we have is to get people to understand what's going on. And so it's a combination of things. But if we did use that jury nullification system, I said, you don't need everybody. So you get 12 people on a jury. (laughs) There's some places where you only get six in certain kinds of minor kinds of civil cases and things like that. Maybe even some very minor misdemeanors and stuff. You only get six. But 12 people, I'm telling you, you only need one to get a jury hung. Only need one on there. That is a, a 12 people is a lot, man. I mean, right. It's pretty easy. You only need to find this 8%. This road, you got to get 8%. So less than 10% of the population needs to understand jury nullifications, things like that. And it could get out there. And places like, you know, just say the black community, okay, those guys get jacked over all the time all the time by the cops and all these systems. If they understood, if they understood what was going on, you get them, you could, that would sweep through there and you could start just shutting down all these phony baloney drug cases and all this other bullshit that they uh, ruin people's lives with. And so there is hope, but the hope is that you have to the only real hope is like you can't pull them out of your public schools. It's not going to do anything because, I mean, eventually there's going to have very soon they're going to have all these different requirements that you'll have to still give them the you know, X, Y and Z tests and scores. And and the fact that you kind of understand what's going on in a situation like that doesn't doesn't allow you to operate in the system. You have to keep your Man. mouth shut. You, know, you have to keep your mouth shut because they'll find you and they will uh, immediately cancel you. And, <clears throat> and And the more electronic it gets the easier it is to go back and find something you said 15 years ago in a text to blah, blah, blah. And it, that's right. it. You know, now you have to go you know, explain yourself to some government court, but that's the key is that the people could do something. There's a ton of people who are open to the message tons. I'm telling you, I'm convinced there are tens of millions of people who would resonate with the message I give people about the way the system should work because they genuinely do want freedom, liberty, limited government. They want their kids to have a future. The problem is there. Every single one of them is being misled by these other parties, the constitutional conservatives, and the libertarian kinds of parties that drain off everybody we need. 
But, you know, if we can fight a holding action with the jury nullification and then get some education, we got a chance. Do I Are have you- a lot of option? Do I think have a lot of optimism about it? No, I don't. But I have a n- little bit, you know. Right. I haven't given up. I haven't given up. Do you, um, I, you mentioned you're going to do a series on the jury, the jury part and the jury nullification. When have yes. you already recorded that or when is that coming out? It's going to take a while to do. <clears throat> I haven't done the first episode. I think I'm going to probably put that first episode out in the next week. Um, it's okay. going to take a long time because the essay is, is a little bit larger than no treason. But it has a whole bunch of weird stuff in it that's going to make it a little more complicated uh, for me to do because it has a bunch of Latin stuff and explanations and crap that I'm not going to read. Uh, But I think it's probably going to take a minimum of between 15 and 20 shows. And so I spread those out normally. Like sometimes I do one a week. There's two shows. And so I I always put them in the Patreon, but sometimes I put them out in the public uh, often, but I I have other shows. And so... I have to choose which ones I go out in the public, but there'll be plenty of them out there for people to start to understand what's going on. Plenty. Um, every show that I make on something like that, even with no treason or, or that I'm going to make on that essay, no, tr- the trial by jury, everyone stands on its own. The information in the show is, is going to be such that people will start to understand what jury trials really are about. And my hope is that maybe they go read the essay themselves, you know, and, and pass the thing around and, and, and get people interested in reading it and discussing the ideas. That, that's the goal. And I think it's probably going to take, I don't know, maybe <laughs> five months or something to, to complete that, that project. Uh, that's what I would right. suspect. If you just start running the numbers, right, of show a week sure. for 15 weeks, right? I mean, right there, you're already at, you know, close to four months. And uh, and that's if I did each one and it only took 15, it might take a little bit more. But like I said, as soon as it starts, believe me, as soon as, as, soon as it hears that first episode, they're going to see because his writing is very clear. And when I commentate on it, it becomes crystal clear what the problem is. Crystal clear what the problem is. So you mentioned your Patreon. Will you please tell the audience what your Patreon is so that um, people can come subscribe so they get access to the exclusive content? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, it's just, I'm on Patreon. It's just the quash. So it's Patreon backslash dot uh, com backslash the quash. And what I do in there, I also run a live show uh, usually once or twice a month. I run a live show where people call in. I've got a phone number and they call in and I chat with them and I spend about 90 minutes doing that. And I, I like that a lot because it gives me an opportunity to talk to them. And I've also been considering having a live meetup in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and starting to do that on a semi-regular basis just so I can meet some people in person. Because I think that's a really good idea because I'll come see you. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Because the reality is that it's nice to, it's nice to connect on the internet. I enjoy Twitter a lot. I I, I really like the people in my kind of Twitter sphere, but it's not the same as meeting people. And there's a human need for that kind of connection. And all my friends are basically black pills, cyanide pills like me. And, uh, and that's nice, but they're spread out now. They've they've moved around a lot. And so that kind of sucks. And I just, I know there's a decent number of people in DFW, even though it's not, you know, the whole thing. There's a decent number of people who would be able to make it. And 
I would really like to meet some of them. And I think they would enjoy meeting some of the other people. And it's just, it's just different, you know? And so I have the live call-in show, but I also do the other. And, you know, I would do more if, if there was enough support, I'd do more and more, but I have other things I have to do. It's, it's not a ego trip and it's, if, if I had millions of dollars from it, then I could go everywhere. I'd fly around and do, and I, yeah, but I don't. And so it's, everything has to be balanced against the support and how much it's worth doing. You know what I mean? And so I enjoy in, individuals and I like talking to them and I love opening their minds. And I get a lot of people who, who tell me things like, wow, you know, you really helped me put X, Y, and Z together. Thank you so much. And that means a lot to me because I know yeah. how difficult it was for me for many, 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 many years when I believed all that constitutional conservative shit. And when I finally started putting all the pieces together, I was like, oh, wow. And then when I really, it all congealed, it was very, uh, I don't know, there was a lot of peace that came from it. I, it was didn't it solve the problem. Was it hard for you being an attorney? Was it, oh, was it hard for you being in that? And then like, I mean, that's your career. And, yeah. and to see it, like, was that a difficult situation yeah. for you? It, it, it's it's not pleasant, but, you know, I've always I've been beaten up by the courts again and again and again because I haven't been a U.S. attorney with who's just an easy ass job. I haven't represented a bunch of defendants. It just cruise through. I don't have these giant client accounts that are uh, corporations who just they just get fair deals. I've always represented uh, individuals <coughs> and, and you just get I just gotten screwed by the courts countless times. And that's one of the reasons I figured out what was actually going on. But. The law is pretty detestable. Uh, I definitely do not defend the law as a profession. There's a lot of lawyers who are decent human beings, and they're just trying to make a living like in every other kind of profession. But there are also a tremendous amount of scumbags in that profession, and uh, and there's snakes, and they they don't they're not honest with their clients, and uh, the judges certainly. Most of it's, I think, uh, incompetence uh, as opposed to corruption. There's a tremendous amount of corruption, but there's I think the bulk of it is just incompetence and uh, and tailored with a very small amount of uh, bias and corruption. And so it's not a pleasant business. I've tried many times to get out of it and, and there's different projects I'm working on. If they, if they go, then I probably won't actually practice much in the future. And I also, depending on how, what kind of, you know, response and stuff on the podcast and stuff, it depends on how much hassle I get from it. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing. Right. It's not a threat. It's not a threat to people, but it's the kind of thing that I might just only put it into Patreon, honestly, at some point. Um, I'm not there because I still like to help people. And even people are inside there. They're allowed to put the shows out in public if they want to. I give them another link yeah. that they can show it to somebody. But, you know, it's it's a balancing act. You know, everybody has to act in their own best interest, ultimately. And I feel an obligation of some sort to the next generation's uh, of human beings who are going to come here and get screwed by this. And, but does that mean that there actually is a duty to do something? No, there's not actually a duty. You know, you're free to just to screw the next generation all you want, actually. And so that's, I believe in freedom. <laughs> and right yeah. now for me, it makes, I justify in my mind and I feel that it's, that I'm, I'm doing something that's worth my time to try to tell people. And you know, if that comes to an end or am I change my opinion about, well, then I'll stop and I won't feel the slightest bit of guilt about it. And I'll just probably pull everything that's out of the public if I feel <laughs> that's in my best interest. And, sure. you know, as of right now, I want to help people. I do want to help people because 
there, I just don't know anybody else who discusses the kinds of issues I do and that can come from a position of, of authority on it of, of so many years of practice. You know, I don't ever have to hear, oh, are you an expert? Yeah, actually, I am. Practice law for more than right. 30 years. So I am an expert. And that's why I try to stay in that area. You know, I try to stay mostly in the legal area. It's just that everything has become politicized and so-called legalized. And so it affects like everything now is some kind of law or regulation covering it, you know? It's funny. I know just this one last thing before I let you go, because I've kept you for a whole hour and I can't afford to keep you any longer, but um, (laughs) uh, just kidding. He didn't make me pay. Um, The, uh, it's funny when people say laws and I just, I, I just keep going back to this idea that any of this stuff, like, like all of it, which is the original thing that prompted me to want to have a conversation with you, like this DHS edict, this um, national security, uh, domestic extremism strategy and all this stuff that's coming mm-hmm. out that this illegal government force is using against people those aren't laws. Like it did right. not go through any sort of process through the system that's in place. There was not a bill introduced that was turned into a law. It's it's all bullshit. And it, uh-huh. <laughs> I just keep sitting there thinking to myself, stop using the fucking word law because it's not a law. Right. right. Well, even the things that are laws, what do most people know about it? They remember those like after school kind of TV show things where they show like a, a kind of pre pre SpongeBob character bouncing around. First it starts in a committee and then it's written. He bounces around, <laughs> walks around with his little stupid stick arms, and then it goes to Congress and then and then the president finds it. Then that's the law. It's like it's just it's so it's such a comic book joke that that they've reduced it down to as though they can literally just write anything they want down there. And that if they write it down and they can get enough criminals to sign off on it, it's the law. Woo! You have to follow it. It's just like, it's, it's so crazy to me that people, they watch stuff like that. And then they still tell me all about the freedom and the constitution, the rights and the protect. It's just, it's, they can't see the absurd contradiction in their own statements. It's just, like, it's dude, wild. it's a bouncing dude on a thing in a cartoon. And you think that somehow is like, what's, what are you thinking? Uh, it's so funny to me. Uh, a okay, a hunker, man. A Thank you so much. I've, I've kept you too long. Okay. Um, but I love you. Fun. And I thank you for coming on. We'll have to do this again at some point. Sure. Please, whenever you um, get your, when you start your jury, um, yeah. process please send it to me so i can share it out because i i'm okay. really excited about that and i'll great of course put all of your links and stuff in great. the descriptions and great and all of that yeah yeah well that's that's great i'm always happy to come on shows i, I really i go on pretty much any show somebody asked me to if they that i'm happy to go on because i really i like talking to people and i like having the opportunity to you know to reach another kind of group of people who maybe a couple people think hey yeah well, you know what i need to Maybe that is right. <laughs> I was yeah. listen to that. So, so thanks. I'm glad I had a good time. Yeah, me too. Thank you, sir. You take care and have a great day. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.
If you enjoyed this episode, please like, drop a comment, subscribe, and don't forget to check out my Patreon for exclusive content. The link is in the description. And most importantly, do not forget, free men do not need permission from their government. Their government needs permission from them. Take care.